0: Manitou. Good morning. Hello. We're going to be reading our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 118. The rest of the New Life congregations are starting the Ten Commandments this morning, but we're Manitou, and Manitou's weird, right? Keeping Manitou weird. Just doing our part here. Um, why don't you guys stand up as we read uh, Psalm 118 this morning. We have two more weeks this Sunday, and the next Sunday we'll be finishing up the Psalms. Psalm 118. Lord, give us ears to hear your word. Give thanks to the Lord, because he is good, because his faithful love lasts forever. Let Israel say it. God's faithful love lasts forever. Let the house of Aaron say it. God's faithful love lasts forever. Let those who honor Yahweh, the Lord, say it. God's faithful love lasts forever. In tight circumstances, I cried out to the Lord. The Lord answered me with wide open spaces. The Lord is for me. I won't be afraid. What can anyone do to me? The Lord is for me. As my helper, I look in victory on those who hate me. It's far better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust any human. It's far better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust any human leader. All the nations surrounded me, but I cut them down in the Lord's name. Yes, they surrounded me on every single side, but I cut them down in the Lord's name. They surrounded me like bees, but they were extinguished like burning thorns. I cut them down in the Lord's name. I was pushed so hard I nearly died, but the Lord helped me. The Lord was my strength and protection. He was my saving help. The sounds of of joyful songs and deliverance are heard in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's strong hand is victorious. The Lord's strong hand is ready to strike. The Lord's strong hand is victorious. I won't die. No. No. I will live and declare what the Lord has done. Yes, the Lord definitely disciplined me, but he didn't hand me over to death. Open the gates of righteousness for me so I can come in and give thanks to the Lord. This is the Lord's gate. Those who are righteous enter through it. I thank you because you answered me, because you were my saving help. The stone rejected by the builders is now the main foundation stone. This has happened because of the Lord. It is astounding in our sight. This is the day the Lord acted. We will rejoice and celebrate in it. Lord, please save us. Lord, please let us succeed. The one who enters in the Lord's name is blessed. We bless you all. All, We bless all of you from the Lord's house. The Lord is God. He has shined a light on us. So lead the festival offering with ropes all the way to the horns of the altar. You are my God. I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will lift you high. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. Because his faithful love lasts. Forever, and so it is in the light of these, this ancient song, um, Lord, that we, Your people, come before You this morning, and we're um, grateful that You are the kind of God who is at work in this place, in this world, in this room right now, and we um, we're excited to um, see the ways that you're going to be healing and bringing life to us. Even those of us who are skeptical, who have been to church, who have tried it out, have heard sermons, heard Bible, blah, 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 we're excited to see how you are going to bring life to us this morning. And so as best we know how, we open ourselves to you this morning, and we ask that you would open us up. Come, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning, friends. It's delightful to see all of you. Am I good on mic, Dan? Am yeah, I good? I'm good. It feels like, okay. Um, I realize that I've spoken a couple of times, but I've never like given introduction. Hi, I'm Brett, it's nice to meet you. Um, I got to know the Kirkendall, hello, Joel. Um, I got to know the Kirkendalls a little bit back in October. Um, I was actually having a conversation about like a, um, a staff position here and then the staff position didn't turn out to like be available during 2018 but we fell so much in love with you guys and with Manitou, uh, that we uh, we moved down from Denver uh, back in January or February, and uh, yeah, we're plugging in and being here with you guys. So um, that's me. Uh, my wife, Joy, is in the back. Say hello, Joy. Hello, Joy. Uh, she's the best person in the world, the best person on the planet. By de facto, it makes her the best person in the room. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, If you want to meet her, she would gladly, like sincerely love to meet you afterwards, so go say something. She's the best person on the planet. Of course she's going to want to meet you. Um, our, um, our relationship actually is like a deep answer to prayer uh, if you want to know just a little bit about us. We've been married for just over five years. Um, yeah, and uh, we actually met on eHarmony uh, is, how we, is how we met. We met across the country. We, we tried to get in one of those commercials, you know, but I don't think they even have commercials nowadays. No, who watches television except on Netflix? Um, we met about a year and a half after I graduated from seminary uh, in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, during a season when my life had just absolutely imploded. Like it had totally collapsed. Like I was 27 years old and literally every bit of normalcy uh, that I'd had in my life from um, my relationships that I thought would be there for years to the place that I lived, to every bit of my life um, was gone gone. It had imploded, and I was picking up the pieces um, and thinking, like, how can God resurrect my life when there's nothing left but dust and ash, you know, is kind of the position I was in. And then um, God, uh, about six months after that, God, in the unspeakable mysteries of how the Spirit works, I got a message. On eHarmony. I'd signed up for it on a whim and met a girl 1,300 miles across the country in Denver. She's a native. Natives represent. Um, later, on, later on, I actually found out that she'd tried to delete me. Um, it's like a miracle that it, like, we actually connected. She saw my profile and swiped and deleted, and my profile kept coming up like three times. She's like scrolling, finding the red button, delete, and it's, it's really cool. God pulled a string for us. Um, we dated, uh, <laughs> she, praise God, God. Um, we dated long distance for know, about six months or so, and then I finally moved uh, across the country to Denver to get closer to her. Our, uh, I just say all that to say our relationship is, like, um, that is a miracle that I live in daily. It's a miracle that I live in daily, and uh, sometimes I lose sight of how miraculous it is. It's, it's really good. Uh, God paired up two strangers from across the country and used our relationship to uh, heal our wounds, our respective wounds that we had. That, so that's joy. Um, if you see a, a uh, three-year-old running around with pigtails, um, that is actually our precocious two-year-old. <laughs> she's not three. She's two. Uh, her name is Daphne. She only looks like she's three. We took her fake ID away from her, but she's still still fooling people into things. She's not an immature three-and-a-half-year-old running around. She's a very smart, very tall, um, two-and-a-third-year-old is what she is. Um, She keeps us on her toes. She's like an answer to prayer to, like so many people, we uh, struggled with, like, fertility issues Um, as we began over the years, as we started beginning to try to start a family. We actually had two miscarriages um, before Daphne came along. We call them Enoch, and hope is what we call them. Um, And then Daphne came along, and she's an answer to prayer in the form of a sweet, sensitive fire-crackling pistol, is what she is. And then our, uh, our youngest daughter, Daisy, is actually back there with Joy right now. Uh, that's the sweet little baby that you may have seen in the six months that we've been a part of uh, New Life Manitou. She's gone from uh, kind of floppy little baby to only semi-floppy kind of baby, um, for, from not quite sitting up to, hey, she's strong and steady sitting up. Um, D- Daisy, in case you guys are curious, she was born with something called, um, we just found this out, it's just got a name, um, centro-nuclear myopathy is what uh, Daisy has back there. Uh, she, uh, she, We literally just got that name like two weeks ago. Um, basically, uh every voluntary muscle in her body uh, struggles on a cellular level. Uh, and uh, that's why she always, for those of you, that's why she always looks sleepy, uh, or it looks like she's always woken up, is, uh, we hear that a lot. Um, it's because every voluntary muscle in her body includes her eyelids, includes the uh, muscles that move her eyes and stuff. She's 15 months old now. They're actually like 12 months apart. Um, she's got some pretty significant delays in development. She's still not crawling, still not babbling very much, not, still, She's not close to walking, but the doctors, praise God, um, and we would take your prayers on this. Um, they think she's going to lead what we would call a normal life. She, they think she's going to lead what we, uh, because even though her muscles are always going to struggle on that cellular level, um, they, they think that she's going to walk, talk, run, all that. So um, it's yeah, it's it's nice. Uh, we, it's a long journey, <laughs> Joy and I. It's a long journey to have a basically a six-month-old for a year, um, um, we keep marching forward with her in hope and confidence that we're headed somewhere beautiful, and and, and that's really um, all of our lives, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> that's all of our lives is, is we're all, um, it, it looks different for all of us in the room. We're all, we've all got stories. We've all got things that we've got in our lives that we've been moving forward with. And, and we have to trust and confidence that, that we're going somewhere beautiful. And that's where Psalm 118 takes us this morning. The, it's, um, it's showing us the beautiful destination where God is taking us, if we will let him. Psalm 118 gives us the place, the destination where we are all. All called to, where we are all invited, where we are all being drawn, whether or not you recognize it or not, you are being drawn. It's the presence of the sacred. It's the presence of God. That's, um, that's actually where 118 draws that over the large movement of the psalm. That's where it draws us, is to the presence of God. Psalm 118 is the end of a grouping of psalms that began actually in Psalm 113. So 113, 114, 115, uh, all the way to 118 is called the Hallel the Hallel. Can you, can you guys say that? The Hallel. Hallel. Yes, Terry. Terry's with me. Uh, these six Psalms, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, are actually one long Jewish prayer of thankfulness and worship sung at certain times of the year during particular holy days or festivals or stuff like that. And for, still, to this day, they are sung before like Passover, for instance. You sing, you start with Psalm 113 and go through what we read today is the end of it. For centuries, century after century, the people of God would be singing these psalms as they journeyed to Jerusalem, to the temple in Jerusalem, to God's presence made manifest in the world. Um, This is actually when it says uh, that Jesus and his disciples went out to the Mount of Olives and they sang a song. They probably sang Psalm 118 is probably what they they're probably singing this song. They'd sing these psalms on the road. These are songs for the road along the journey as they made their way to the sacred, divine presence of God. When verse 15 says the sound of joyful songs and deliverance are heard in the tents of the righteous, it's probably, it's probably talking about the tents that they're literally in. You know, they're traveling to Jerusalem and there's songs in the tents. They're on their way with only a tiny bit of imagination. We can picture these tired, weary, dusty, dirty pilgrims who are finally passing through the gates of the city and singing, verse 19, open the gates so that I can come in. It only takes, it's not a big stretch to remember what they were experiencing. They've been singing and declaring and reminding each other on the long weary road. Hey. God's faithful love endures forever, verse one. Hey, God's faithful love endures forever, verse two. Yes, God's faithful love, verse three, verse four. His hessed, his loyal covenant marriage-like love, it lasts forever. He is with us on the road. And when they're finally arriving at the temple into the presence of God, the song ends where it began. Okay. It begins with what they're, it ends with what they've been reminding each other. They're blissfully content. They have arrived. They are at their destination. In verse 29, his faithful love lasts forever. Forever. It's like Psalm 118 and the Psalms before it are keeping our eyes, are inviting all of us in the weariness of our lives, the stories of our lives, the brokenness, wherever we've been along the journey, inviting us to keep our eyes on the destination. As we, as we live on the road in wind-blown tents, it's saying, we're going somewhere beautiful. We're going somewhere solid. Keep, we remember Remember where you're headed. We're headed to God, to the presence of God. We're headed towards hope. We're headed towards safety. We're headed towards love. And God is sustaining us in every breath, in every step along the way. God is carrying us. His faithful love lasts forever, even before we pass through the final gates. Even before we enter into the presence of God, we're learning to practice the destination before we get there. We could say it this way. Um, praise is how we taste home while we're still on the road. Praise is how we taste home while we're still on the road. Um, As we learn to praise, as we learn to practice praising in the midst of our broken stories, as we remind ourselves what God is like and who God is and that God is with us, as we learn gratitude, my friends, for the road that we have already traveled and the way that God has already carried us through safety, We can taste the bliss and contentment of our destination, of the kingdom of God, even while we're in windblown tents. We can practice praise and praise is how we taste home while we're still on the road. Praise and worship like we've done this morning and gratitude and remembrance in your lives during the week help us taste our destination before before we even arrive we remember we can look back on our lives and we can remember you you guys can not just me not just me reflect introducing myself and reflecting on my life and where i've been you guys can remember the times that you were in tight circumstances that you were like obsessing over that thing and you were worrying over that thing and it's nothing now Like, you can remember the times that you felt like the noose was tightening around you. And for us, it was the pregnancies weren't coming to term. And we were scared witless about what the doctors would say with Daisy. And and it felt like at 27, my life, it was, it was collapsing. It was completely gone. It was dust and ash. We remember, all of us remember those times in our lives, how in the past, we have been given answers in the past we remember and we recognize our stories thus far along the, along the road. Somewhere, somehow, in some way, God has answered us. Like it has happened. Not just for me, but for you guys. It has happened. God has answered our tight circumstances, verse, in the words of verse five. He's, he's answered our tightness with wide open spaces we've moved on to brand new anxieties, haven't we? (laughs) Like we got brand new things we're worrying about. Because the the other things have totally resolved. Somewhere along the way, our claustrophobia gave way to euphoria. (laughs) Like our noose became a tire swing. We're not worried about it anymore. We recognize and remember where God has been in the past and that his faithful love has been with us. And we choose to praise. It's a choice. It really is. It's a choice that we can make. We choose praise and gratitude for that faithful love of God that has transformed our lives in the past, and we trust that he's taking us home. He's going to be with us. We taste home while we're still on the road. That's what praise is. Psalm 118, it's chock full of praise from from beginning to end, of practicing tasting home before we arrive. Praise is central I don't think anyone would dispute this. Praise is central to the life of faith, isn't it? Praise is central to the life of faith because it's how we taste the future in the present. It's how we taste what's coming right now. It's how um, praise and joy and gratitude and wonder and ecstasy and bliss and contentment, that's the life of heaven. And that's how we begin to taste it right now is by praise. Um, But then something really interesting happens in verse 25. Did you guys notice this? If you have a Bible or a device or something, look at verse 25. It's right in the middle of all this praise. There's a something else. Right here in the middle of all this praise, there's a please. There's a please in the praise, guys. <laughs> Watch out, waiter. Could we send this back? There's a please in that bad joke. Um, it's it's just—it was. Um, it just comes erupting to the surface in verse 25. Lord, please save us, Lord. Please let us succeed. Who let the please in? You know what I mean? Way to kill the mood, please. We were in the middle of praising God and gratitude and worship and all this. And all of a sudden, we got a please come slipping in the door. We were having a terrific worship service until you arrived, please. We're all practicing praise, practicing the life of heaven right here, right now. And then please had to go and show up. Please lets in all the danger, doesn't it? Like please, when we when we start saying please to God, all of a sudden it starts letting in all the uncertainty in our lives. Cause you gotta ask please cause something's not quite there, isn't it? Please is the moment where we remind are reminded of our lack, of our need, of our death of our desperation. Um, Whereas praise reminds us of where we're going, of the destination, um, please reminds us that we're still on the road. (laughs) It reminds us that, like, uh, we're not there yet. This moment, I think, verse uh, 25, when please comes crashing into the praise party, um, it shouldn't surprise us, for those of us who have been walking through the Psalms, um, journeying through the Psalms, because Psalm 118, it just gives us like a microcosm. It's just like a a miniature picture. It's a small-scale model of the Psalms as a whole, Uh, because as we've seen, praise And please are both familiar faces in the Psalms. They're both there. Praise and please. The life of faith. The life of true worship for those of us who are wanting, yes, I want to worship God. The life of worship involves both praise and please. The abruptness of like the eruption of please in verse 25 like just makes us like unable to ignore it. It just shows up. Praises and pleases go together. We could say it this way. Um, Praise and please are both equally vital to the life of faith. Praise and please are both equally vital to the life of faith. Um, Please didn't come in to wreck the party. Please didn't come in direct the worship. Please came in and helped our worship not be a sham. Helped it not be dishonest, is what yeah. Yeah, we need. We, we need, we need God. We, we need everything from God. The, the life of faith, the life of worship is the pattern of play, praise and please. They're both forms of honesty are both forms of honesty, getting honest about our lives and about uh, about our stories. They're not opposites. They're not opposites. Praise and please are not like oil and water. Like, oh, these things don't get together. They're two sides of the same coin. Um, They're a pattern as elemental as breathing breathing. They're as rhythmic as breathing. We exhale praise. And we inhale need. We inhale with please. We breathe out praise and gratitude and thankfulness. But at some point, we have to breathe in. We have to breathe in with please, with help save us. Our daughter, uh, Daisy, has an inhaler uh, that she has to use twice a day, and it's got this chamber, and you can see the flap opening and closing, and you can tell. Sometimes she doesn't want to inhale. All she wants to do is exhale, and you can tell because the flap isn't moving because she's not inhaling. Um, I'm afraid that's what some of us do. In the life of faith, um, somewhere, some of us were handed a version of faith where praise is somehow a stronger sign of faith than please. Somewhere in our lives, we think, I got to praise God. I got to praise God from whom all blessings flow. And you never want to acknowledge that you need the blessings. (laughs) Like I I need, you never want to inhale. And so we're really careful, those of us who have been handed this, we're really careful not to let anybody see when we're tired. Not to let anybody see when we're hurting or we're doubting. Or we're shivering in a windblown tent, or waiting for God to save. I'm just waiting and I've been waiting for three years for God to save. We carry around this idea that we just got to praise, and that's what the life of faith is about. That the life of faith is an endless exhale of praise, but you are not an endless supply of air. You're not God. You're not God's spirit. God's breath is the one that sustains us. God is the endless supply. And God wants to supply. That's some good news. God wants to supply. You need to inhale. Some of us need to inhale this morning. uh, And you inhale with please. I need. We suffocate without it. We suffocate without it. We suffocate without please. Um, Please isn't the opposite of faith. Um, Please is actually an expression of faith. Um, Please is an expression of confidence that God can do something about this can do something about this. It's precisely because the people of God remember God's faithfulness in the past. He's, they've cut down danger in the past. Yes, I cut them down in the Lord's name. It says three times, verse 10, 11, 12. It's precisely because they remember what God has done and what they have received and that they are in need that they ask for help in the present. Hey, I have need. And God wants to provide. He wants to supply. We ask for help because one day our help will become hallelujah. One day our help will become hallelujah. I mean, praise, please is just praise an embryo. That's all it is. Please is just an embryo that's going to grow up into praise one day. A please is going to grow up to become a praise. A please is going to grow up and it's going to become a praise. Help turns into hallelujah someday. And so why are you so hesitant to ask for it? Ask, let, be vulnerable, be honest with others, with God. In the world as it is right now, Praise and please always go together throughout the week. Perhaps pay attention to um, your inner being, to your life and where you need air. Where do I need air? Are you struggling for air because you lack praise or because you lack please? Because you need both. Is it a lack of exhaling or is it a lack of inhaling? is your tendency to endlessly try to, to praise, to endlessly try to exhale without ever admitting your ongoing desperate need. The Lord invites you to breathe, to inhale, to admit your need to others, to him, and ask for what you need. Or perhaps for some of us, it's the opposite. Some of us, our tendency is to endlessly ask God for help. We're, ten, we're desperately like always, please, 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 please. It's an endless inhale. <gasps> always trying to get more and more in and never actually believing that you have received air. Air daily air is being given to you. Your prayers really are being answered. We have to learn to believe this, to believe that we've been given. You'll never learn to exhale praise if you never have room to, if you never believe that you've received anything. And so some of us need to um, receive what God is giving. God's answers might just be different than what we expected. And this is the part when I was like working on sermon that I was just like. God's answers may just look different than what we expect, then I just like, part of me is like, oh, that's so true. And part of me just wants to vomit because that just sounds like religious garbage that like people say to justify like their prayers not doing anything, right? Like, can we get honest in the room really quickly? That's the sort of thing that you're like, oh, I think that might be true. And then other times you're like, oh, that just uh, sounds like rote Garbage cliche, truism, Hallmark card, sort of like huh, thing that I like. God's answers are different than we imagine, and his timetable's different than ours, and his ways aren't our ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That can sound like an excuse, can't it? Like, if we got raw and honest, that can sound like flimsy, unthinking, religious babble, blah, 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 but uh, that we're just tempted to, like, reject entirely. But I guess I just wanted to hit really hard, it's not. It's not, it's pretty darn close to the mysterious heart of the gospel. It's pretty darn close to the heart of the gospel, which brings us to the enigma, the riddle of verse 22 is where this whole psalm has been headed. The people of God are approaching the city in verse 19 so that they can enter in through the gates, verse 20, and they're thanking God, verse 21, because God has been there saving health and the help. And then there's a strange line, the stone rejected by the builders is now the foundation stone. A lot of translations like translate that, some of you have cornerstone in your translation. That's totally fine. Whatever it is, be it a a foundation stone at the bottom of the building or a capstone or a cornerstone near the top of the building, whatever this word is, it's important. It's an important word. Don't get hung up on that. Um, It's not entirely clear what verse 22 is talking about. There's a rabbinic story about this verse that talks about the building of Solomon's great temple where, uh, and there's this great shipment of stones that arrives and the builders of the temple come across like this large, unusual, very oddly shaped indeed stone and they have absolutely no use for it. And so they're never gonna have any use for it. This thing's bizarre. And so they like reject it, they cast it aside. And then as they're building this project, the rabbis say, as they're building the temple, Solomon's temple, and as it's coming to an end, the builders became like incredibly concerned because of the intricacies of the architecture. There was a unusual hole, a very oddly shaped hole indeed, hole that they, at the pinnacle of the structure. That hole is large and unusual. It's bizarre. And then they remembered the stone that they had rejected and thus told the rabbis in this story. So, thus was the providence of God in building his temple. Others, nobody really knows what this verse means. Verse 22, uh, others tended to think of this rejected stone as the people of Israel themselves all these weary, dusty travelers that have been through hell and back, the people of Israel, kings and rulers of the world have rejected them, the people who build the world with their great plans, Persia, Babylon, all these great builders of the world have rejected these people. Ancient Israel has been crushed by empire after empire, absolutely rejected by everybody who's important. But as the people of God, passed through the gates and near the temple, they celebrate that despite being rejected and despised and crushed, they are chosen and significant in the eyes of Yahweh. People have different ways of understanding what verse 22 is talking about. But the early church was convinced that whatever else this stone might refer to, whatever else this stone might be about, this stone is about Jesus, is what the early church, that's the, the story we're a part of, that, that about the mystery of the reality that God has become part of his creation, has chosen to walk among us, to actually... for. I don't understand what I'm saying. That God has forever chosen to be one of us, and we wanted nothing to do with him. We listened to his stories with some mild curiosity. We took what we could get from him, a little bit of healing, maybe a couple of free meals. I mean, who doesn't pass that up? But in the end, he just disrupted our lives a little bit too much. He called too much from us. He didn't give us what we wanted, and so we rejected him. God came among us and did not give us what we wanted. He did not give us what we wanted. He did not give us what we wanted. And so we rejected him. We abandoned him. We betrayed him. We lynched him. We stood idly by while government tortured him. And finally, we joined in, jeering and spitting and crushing and mocking until God's word spoken to the world was finally silenced. God's never saying what we want him to say, is he? God's never, God's word spoken to us is always something that we want to reject. It's, he's never answering us how we want him to answer us, never doing what we think he should be doing, becoming a first century peasant and getting executed. doesn't sound like that. We are the builders. We know what we want in our lives. We have all kinds of plans as to how the world should be working out. We're busy planning our lives, busy planning, building our little world. God is just not helping the way we think. God's just disrupting it all. And in the first century, the human race finally had a chance to do something about it and we did. We did, we rejected him rejected him. And God answered our rejection with resurrection. God answers our loathing with love, love, love. In the words of someone who was there, in the words of someone uh, who abandoned Jesus, who denied Jesus, who cursed Jesus, in the, name, in the words of a guy named Peter, it'll be up here on the screen, this man, um, this man stands healthy before you because of the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. He has become the cornerstone. Salvation can be found in no one else. Throughout the whole world, no other name has been given among humans through which we must be saved. Psalm 118 captivated the early church because they had lived it. They had lived it. They had seen it. They had done it. They had rejected God's word to them. And they had seen God answer their rejection with resurrection. Their hate with healing, their loathing with love. They'd seen Jesus raised from the dead and it had turned their lives upside down. It turned the world upside down. The early church was convinced that this person, this Jesus, this cornerstone, was the ground zero of salvation. We could say it this way. Um, The mysterious heart of the gospel is that God saves in ways we often reject. God saves in ways we want to reject. God brings forgiveness and peace. God brings wholeness and healing. God brings us deeper, better life than anything we ever imagined. And God does it in ways we want to reject. That's... That's the heart of the gospel. It's not that God causes suffering in your life or evil in the world. It's just that he's like working through it in ways that you didn't expect and you don't want. I assure you that when my life was falling apart at the age of 27, six months after I graduated from seminary, blowing up any kind of easy way of getting into ministry, um, I assure you that I was desperately saying, please, God, please, God, Please help, and he did. He did, but just not in the way that I wanted. It's not in the way I wanted. But on this side of the unanswered please, I praise him for it. God gave me a better answer than anything I could have asked for. Through it all, he was working a little bit more salvation into me. He was needing it. Here, Brett, in this mess, in this wreckage, here's a little bit of humility. Here's a a big chunk of humility, and here's a place to practice forgiveness, and here's a theater of my faithfulness. Just watch, just watch. Your life is dust and ash, Brett. You call that wreckage. I, I call it soil. I call it soil. Just watch. I'm doing something there. I'm, I'm growing something dazzling right there. I'm go- I, I specialize in raising the dead, Brett, in raising the dead and making crosses beautiful. That includes your cross. That includes your cross. I'm going to make it. In the midst of our miscarriages, Joy and I's miscarriages, we were handed a stone we wanted to reject. We were handed something we want to reject. The pain... The grief, the long nights, the, the mess, the waiting, the weeping, we begged with a mighty pleas to be spared it all, and yet the spirit of Jesus, the cornerstone rejected, was deepening our marriage through it all cleaning out wounds that we didn't know were even there, like resetting long, broken bones in our soul, (laughs) doing some deep work in it all. And I I don't know how it all works. I mean, it's evil that we lost those those little ones. But we have faith that we're going to see those little ones again when we pass through the gates. (laughs) God makes things right. There have been innumerable times that we've prayed for instant, miraculous healing on a cellular level for Daisy. Please help. Please heal. I mean, it's painful to watch her like, struggle with things that are just like normal, like lifting up a bottle. I mean, that's hard to watch. And maybe God's going to heal in that way. Maybe God's going to do that. Um, he can. <laughs> Please, God. Um, and if he does, I, I'll praise him for it. But if He chooses to give us something different in all of it, Joy and I, like, we're gonna, we're gonna do our dead level best to try to practice praise while we're still on the road, while we still we, when we haven't arrived, because God is working. Like I could tell you, and Joy would tell you too, God's working things into our souls that we couldn't have imagined through Daisy. Like we view those struggling. those people who are struggling physically, way different than we ever did before. Like the compassion that has been grafted into our souls, the faith that is being built in us that God's faithfulness is slow but sure. It's, it's a gift that we want to reject. It's a gift. If God's supreme miracle in human history um, was rejected... Why do we suppose that God's minor miracles in our lives are going to be easy to accept? If if it was really easy to reject God's supreme miracle, why would we think that minor miracles in our lives, answered prayers, are going to be easy to accept or recognize? Central to following Jesus, my brothers and sisters, and the band can come on up. Central to following Jesus is learning to receive What we want to reject. Central to following Jesus is learning to receive what we want to reject because I think, and this is where we'll land, I think our lives are a series of miracles that we've stopped recognizing. Brothers and sisters, I think our lives are a series of miracles that we've stopped recognizing, a series of miracles you want to reject. Maybe we've never recognized them. This morning, as we um, come to the table, you're invited to begin to recognize, to ask God to help you practice praise before you arrive, to recognize that God is at work in your life already and that his faithful love lasts forever. To learn to ask, to say, please, if that's what you need to do. Perhaps this morning, some of you need to take um, Psalm uh, verse 17 onto your lips and into the deep parts of your souls. Some of you maybe perhaps need to say, I won't die. I won't die. I will live. And I will declare what the Lord has done. Whatever you need, God is your supply. May our praises be fueled by the gifts and grace and beauty that we want to reject. May our pleases be frequent and confident as we accept our limits and trust that our never-ending need will be answered by the God of supply. May Jesus, that cornerstone of creation, that foundation of the universe, our only salvation, may Jesus teach us all to see the miracles we've stopped recognizing and help us accept. The miracles we've already been given. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.